Hello. Hi there. You looking great this morning? Thanks. <laughs> I um, just rolled out of bed yep. 10 minutes before I got here. So, welcome to Scattered Brained. It's not an allegory. <laughs> it's going to be a little scattered, we will admit. Alright, this is your ridiculous podcast that we don't know why you're listening to it, but this is the podcast where you can sit back, drink a cup of coffee, good coffee, make sure it's good coffee, treat yourself, and listen to us talk about life and uh, what else do we talk about? Jesus, mostly. Mostly Jesus. We'll talk about Jesus quite a bit today, actually. We're going to get all fired up, up about legalism, but first... Coffee. Coffee. So we are currently drinking the Columbia Peaberry, which is a new one that we have not tried yet. I love Peaberry coffee, so I'm like pretty excited mm. about this one because oh. I just really enjoy and it. It's strong and it's good mm. and it's smooth. It is oh. pleasant. Oh, it's a very pleasant cup. I love this one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like it's nutty. It's nice and nutty. Mm-hmm. Good morning coffee. It's a good morning coffee. It's a good morning coffee. It's got like a little bit of sharpness mm-hmm. kind of back of your throat and it's like, whew, I'm awake now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll wake up yeah. the more we talk and drink. Some, like something you would drink just alone, reading your Bible in the morning, mm-hmm. a bowl of cereal, <laughs> specifically Frosted Flakes because that's the best cereal. Oh, we and... didn't introduce ourselves. I'm Pam. <laughs> yep, you are, she is... And this is my lovely, lovely co-host, Erin, who definitely got me out of bed this morning, so I'm not salty about that, but I needed to get out of bed, so it's fine. It's like 8.30. <laughs> She's just like, why do I exist? Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is like an ideal, um, like, just sitting alone coffee in the morning. And by the way, that's not a sad statement. I know there's some of you extroverts out there who are like, mm-hmm. oh. Oh, Pam, how sad. I'll join you for your coffee. No. We don't want any comments saying you'll join us for our coffee. Leave us alone with our coffee. We First will, thing in the morning? If, if it's a good alone cup of coffee, we mean it's a good alone cup mm-hmm. of coffee. And it means that you're probably sitting there with your Bible or a book. Or you know what? Just watching the sunrise. And you're drinking your coffee. And life is good. Because in that moment, there is peace. It's funny, because normally I just sit on the couch with my cat and watch her, like, just roll oh, around. well, you and I do very really good things in the morning, then. Yep, my cat just, like, sits on my lap and tries to drink my coffee. I don't own a cat, and so thus my life can be peaceful. If you do own a cat, you don't know what that's like. Smokey you, and I never, have You've never and... known peace. No, you have a cat, you've never known peace. Because you you can't go to sleep at night thinking, man, if I if I died or passed out in the night, my cat would just eat me. Like, Recycling. You will always have that knowledge in your head. Yep. Good for her. That's disgusting. Anyways, so speaking of not mornings. Do you love how that just doesn't phase me? I don't love that at all. Um, <laughs> let us know if you think Pam's a psychopath. Because I've had my suspicions. But this is pretty much confirmed now. All right, Pam. Mm-hmm. What... It's autumn now, and the leaves are all gone, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of chilly. Actually, it hasn't snowed here yet, which I'm kind of salty about because it's November, and we should have snow by now. We should not have snow right now. Anyways, so it's autumn. Ideally, for you, what would be your ideal autumn morning slash afternoon? Mm -hmm. 
first tell me on a budget and then tell me on an unlimited budget. So like something practical that anyone could do in an autumn morning afternoon. Okay. Specifically autumn. Something you can only do in autumn. Okay. Go. Um, I like, well, you can, you can do it anytime, but I only do it in the fall is I go to this one park and take walks because they have like a bunch of different kinds of trees. And so like red deer leaves mostly just turn yellow and orange. Um, but in the fall, in this park, you get all the colors. Mm. And I love it. That's where I took my grad pictures, mm-hmm. and it's where I took, like, we take family pictures every year, and it's so much fun. It's so pretty there. So it's so, like, go for a walk with your yeah, paints kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. Go, go sit with your paints and paint uh-huh. everything? Yeah. yeah. Or I'll just, awesome. like, sit with a book <clears throat> and, like, watch. Squirrels normally come and try and steal my snacks. Stupid squirrels, just shoot them. I, you can't do that in the city. You shouldn't, but... Okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, and, like, I don't know, normally I might go and, like, crochet... Like, we'll do fires in the in the summer, or in mm-hmm. the fall. Um, in my, We do fires year-round. It'll be minus 40, and my dad will be like, let's start a fire in the backyard. And we'll be like, okay, sure, seems legit to me. Don't see a problem. And so, yeah, probably have a fire in our backyard with some fresh coffee. And then listening. I like listening specifically to Need to Breathe. Mm. In They're the a good autumn, autumn band. I, I don't know what it is, but Need to Breathe is autumn to me. They've got like the... Oh, what's the word? It's not grungy. It's kind of crunchy, crunchy like leaves. Yeah. Crunchy like yeah. autumn leaves. That's, that's yeah. Need to Breathe. So I'll like, mm-hmm. pull out a vinyl of Need to Breathe. You have a Need to Breathe vinyl? I have two. Oh, I want those. And I'll put it... This makes me jealous. Put it out and I'll wear a fuzzy knit sweater. And that's my autumn. It's very low... Be- like, like That's a low, low budget. Key. Like, I just don't do anything. Okay, if you had an unlimited budget, oh, what I'd would you do? Oh, I'd go shopping and buy new scarves. I love getting a new <laughs> scarf every winter. Okay, blankets. Yeah. I love a good autumn blanket. Like, mm-hmm. the nice blankets you can put outside. I mean, okay, this isn't an anomaly for a year because in Saskatchewan, usually our autumn lasts about two weeks and then suddenly you're in winter again. So, mm-hmm. you savor every moment you have of, like, decent weather and... Nice, pretty autumn leaves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I so. blanket scarves are oh, one of my yes. favorite things. Yes, so scarves. I'll go and I'll find a nice new blanket scarf, and I will wear it all autumn long. I normally get one pumpkin spice latte, hmm. um, to say that I did it. I like the flavor of pumpkin I spice. I know you do. I, I know. Don't... And you know what? Yeah. You're allowed to like the flavor of pumpkin spice. I just will still make fun of yeah, you for it. I know. Yeah. Um, but any, I'll. After that, I'll probably just get anything spice, like the maple spice latte. I had one of those when I was home. It was so good, and I get one all the time when I'm here. Mm-hmm. Like, just anything with cinnamon. I absorb a lot of cinnamon, and I'll, like, go buy a cinnamon candle, <laughs> and I'll drink cinnamon tea, and I'll, like, make breakfast in the morning with cinnamon, and that's probably the most expensive thing of my summer, is I eat so much cinnamon, or of my autumn, is that I consume tons of cinnamon and cloves, and 
like no problem with this all spice it's good for you it's good for you yeah except you can actually get poisoning from if you eat too much of it i'm sure you're not doing that i'm sure if you if you took a box of cinnamon sticks and you ate them all in a sitting you'd probably have too much yeah, I don't do that. Yeah, I, I just I like think you did bit. that, you know? Oh, I just read an article today, or yesterday, though, about a girl who ate cinnamon every day and then her liver shut down, so... I'm sure if you did anything every day... Never mind, we drink coffee every day. We drink coffee I'm going to retract that statement. Yeah. Um, coffee is basically drink, a You can drink coffee every day. It will not wreck your liver. That is confirmed by all scientists. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure it cures cancer. Got this. Yeah. In the Bible? The, the stats right here. Shh, it's just paper wrestling. Okay. okay. Yes, obviously. It's in, well, it's in the Bible. Never mind. This is ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah, that's probably, like, the most... And, like, I make soup. I like making soup in the summer. I love soup. Soup all year round. I like specifically making, like, you mean um... soup in the autumn? Yeah. Yes. Soup with cinnamon and cloves in it. Mm-hmm. So good. And star anise, that's a key, yeah, I, key thing. When I make pho, I put all that mm-hmm. into it. And mm-hmm. it's just so... Pleasant. Oh, I could. Okay, I have deer stock, and I put cinnamon and star anise into my stock to give it kind of a warm flavor. Mm-hmm. We could make pho with it. We could. There's nothing stopping us. Deer pho. Pho is a Vietnamese soup for anyone who's kind of lost. It's really, really good. And it's not pho. It's spelled P H O. It's not pho. It's pho. Get it right. Come on. Do mm-hmm. better, people. Amen. So, yeah, that's probably it. And then. <laughs> I'll that go. wasn't legalistic. <laughs> nope. I don't know. I might like. Yeah. <sighs> so every once in a while, I go out for like dinner with friends in the autumn and do a photo shoot in that same oh. park. How funny! We just which did is that what we yesterday. did last night. I took um, Pam's engagement photos because she's engaged now. Everybody at yeah. it's not an allegory. She got engaged over the break, and already she's beaming. So the more we talk about it, probably the more awake she'll be. She has a flipping massive rock <laughs> on her finger, and now she's very happy and she's yeah. gushing. So, ah, uh, it's very, it's very cute and disgusting. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> I'll admit <laughs> no, that. No, they're very sweet. I took their photos yesterday, and it was a grand old time. I got almost thrown over a bridge twice, and almost thrown in the river four times. It's beautiful. It's beautiful, which tells you a lot about her fiance. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think there's also, like, an entire separate album of photos of us making stupid faces. Yep. There's more pictures of them making stupid faces than them making nice faces, which is fine, because pretty much sums up their relationship perfectly. So. It's true. Now, Pam, Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about legalism. Yeah. We're also talking about the book of James. Why are we talking about that? I preached a sermon on James this week. But Pam, you're a woman. Why are you preaching? Because... Explain. I have to, to graduate college, is mm. I have to take a homiletics uh, yes. course. So, Pam, why would a woman take a homiletics course? Why don't they just say it's for the guys who are going to be pastors? Oh, it, man. Uh, at least when you're not straying from orthodoxy. But I think Miller is assuming that we're not going to stray from orthodoxy. Assuming so. Assuming Although so. Although I joke about it a lot. Yeah, true. But um, it's all in jest. I think that it's important that everybody knows how to articulate the gospel well mm-hmm. and break down a passage well in order to better communicate with its aud- their audience. That could be anybody. Preaching the gospel applies to, or preaching the word applies to yourself. It applies to your family. It applies to your friends. It applies to evangelism. It applies to ministry scenarios. Just because 
like, that's what we're called to do. We're not called to be pastors necessarily, but we're called to preach the word. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> learning how to do that effectively is helpful because you learn how to communicate better, which turns out I needed a little bit of. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as, like, I don't know. I'm taking what I learned and I'm going to be using it when I go to a new church. Mm. I'm look probably going to be looking for a new church in the next year as I move out and mm-hmm. move to Saskatchewan <laughs> permanently. She's looking very disgusted at the prospect. You know what? I think Saskatchewan is lovely. I know, but now I have to drive seven hours for mountains instead of one. Welcome to my world. And you know what? We survive. And we thrive. We're doing just fine. Anyways, we're not here to talk about mountains. Anyway, when I move to the middle of nowhere, Saskatchewan, I'm going to have to look for a new church. And learning what I learned... I am now able to recognize what good preaching is. It's not just someone who's good at speaking. Mm. It's someone who effectively communicates scripture well. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Yeah. Also, then, it give you, gives you an appreciation for how much oh, work yeah. goes into sermon prep. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I already kind of really had that because yeah, my dad's PK. a pastor. Yeah. Um, but lots of people don't understand the amount of work that actually does go into a sermon. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, I prepped a sermon, I think, in three days, four days. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine doing it every week. Right. And then, uh, in addition, all of the pastoral roles yeah. on top of that, like, right? Like, like my f- I-, I joked about, you're a woman, yeah. why are you preaching, when really women shouldn't be pastors, according to Paul. Right? And following mm-hmm. scripture, I don't think women should be pastors. Pastors. But preaching and teaching, those things are way more similar mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with women teaching. So, I don't know why mm-hmm. we convoluted, like, we blurred the line between preacher and pastor. Preaching is just the act of the sermon and the sermon prep, really. Yeah. So, pastoring involves a whole lot more. Yeah, mm-hmm. leave it to the men. They can have that stress. I don't yeah. want it. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry. Mm-hmm. That's that's a joke. That don't... Yeah. <laughs> So much work, though, and, like, I remember as a kid, someone came up to my dad and said, like, I don't understand why we're paying you so much, because you, all you do is, like, read books and write, and I remember just getting so mad, because, like, A, someone came and took an hour out of my dad's sermon prep to tell him that, and then B, like, I dare anybody to go and write a good sermon, my dad's a good preacher. Mm. He's I bet he is. He well, he says that he's a better teacher than a better than a preacher, and I'd probably agree with that. Actually, he has more of a analytical like. I'd say like, like teaching would probably be his level of interaction. Yeah, that would probably. No, sway he's just say. like very intellectual in how he communicates. He mm. doesn't like, like he's gotten better over time, but like he's very much someone who like uses big words. Mm-hmm. And kind of assumes everyone knows what sanctification is and goes from that. And so, but like, he's a, he's a good communicator mm. and that takes practice and time. 
and effort. Hmm. And I think every Christian should take a homiletics class, which is a preaching class, just so that they have a little bit of respect Mm -hmm. before they come to a pastor and say, yeah, you're not working. You're just reading a book and talking about it. Hmm. That's my hot take. I don't think that's a very hot take, but... It's only a hot take because I'm drinking hot coffee. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's how that works. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. So you preached on the book of James. I did. What part of James? I preached on James 1, 19 to 25. Um, and that was such a fun passage to break down. My dad actually preached out of James when he first became a pastor. He preached out of Galatians and he preached out of James. And that's hilarious to me because... They're seen as polar opposites. Hmm. And it makes me laugh. Because they're not, if you understand. They're really not. Which we will explain. Which we will as explain. We go further in. But, but we yeah. are specifically talking about legalism and how James is not about legalism. Yeah. A lot of people don't know what to do with the book of James mm-hmm. because it seems like it's contradicting Paul. Because Paul is someone who says, well, it's by grace you've been saved. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not a result of works that no one can boast, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ephesians 2, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and that's so true. And then James says, Faith without, faith works, is without works is dead. And it seems like on the surface mm-hmm. at first glance that those are contradicting statements. And then you have to wrestle mm-hmm. with, well, but they're both in the Bible and they're both canonized. So who's right? Mm-hmm. Who's wrong? Well, James only got one book and so he must be wrong. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of skip over it. And we focus on Paul because Paul gets all the, the glory and glamour. Mm-hmm. But I love James. Yeah. I, I really love it. I really appreciate James. Um, mm. And, like, I understand why people don't agree with it. Especially, mm. like, I'm Baptist. That's as close to legalist you can get some days. <laughs> like. That's a hot take. but <laughs> I know. But, like. It can be legalistic tendencies. It can be so legalistic <laughs> in terms of, like, I remember not being allowed to wear jeans in church. That was partially my parents' Can we stop to define us. legalism? Yes. Yes, before we just assume yes. everyone knows. So we could have come up with our own definition, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Uh, I did find one online that I thought was really, really good and really mm-hmm. succinct. It's from Kimmy Harris, K-I-M-I. Don't know if that's a man or a woman. I think that's a woman. I don't know. This person said this. Legalism exists when people attempt to secure righteousness in God's sight by good works. Legalists believe that they can earn or merit God's approval by performing the requirements of the law. Thomas R. Schreiner said, A legalist believes that their good works and obedience to God affects their salvation. Legalism focuses on God's laws more than relationship with God. It keeps external laws without a truly submitted heart. And legalism adds human rules to divine laws and treats them as divine. That's a very, very good definition. Yeah. Kimmy Harris, whoever you are. Um, yeah, we can't secure righteousness by any of yeah. our own works because all of our righteous deeds are like filthy rags, mm-hmm. right? They're disgusting they're, they're, yeah. they aren't going to secure any salvation so uh and you know what that's a constant reminder you have to do that every single day mm-hmm. and i was going to kind of get to that a little later but yeah daily <clears throat> daily reminding yourselves 
mm-hmm. yourself that you can't save yourself. Mm-hmm. That's my tendency. Yeah. I, I'm very much like, <laughs> I'm very much someone who thinks I have to do more. I have to do more. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I messed up. I God must be so disappointed in me. Mm-hmm. I have to do more and save myself and mm-hmm. oh it's my strength yeah mm-hmm. that's that's where i lean but yeah i'm trying to make a habit of daily saying oh right lord i need you mm-hmm. and it's just oh man it opens your eyes to what grace yeah. really is we don't show ourselves much grace but we can't really give it yeah and like in james it talks a lot about like how faith without works is dead mm. and that we are supposed to be not just doer, hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And so mm. people hear that and they think that, you know, that means that you need works in order to be saved. That's not the case. However, works are like a heartbeat. You can tell someone's dead if their heartbeat's missing. If someone has faith, it's there. Mm-hmm. But if it's not beating, if it's not working, mm-hmm. there's exactly. not much faith there. If you gave me... A, a, a cup of dirt. Yeah. A jar of dirt. <laughs> and I... Don't sue us, Disney. Put a cucumber seed in that dirt, covered it with the dirt, poured some water on it. I would say, I planted the cucumber seed. I will have cucumbers soon. And Pam goes away. And she comes back in a few months and says, okay, where are these cucumbers that you told me about? I've been waiting and waiting for months. I'm so excited about these cucumbers that you were growing. And you looked in the jar of dirt, and it was still just a jar of dirt. You would assume that I'd maybe overwatered, underwatered. Somehow that seed died, and it did not sprout anything. And you would say, and I, but I said, oh, but I've got a cucumber plant, because I planted a cucumber. The seed's there, I promise. And you'd say, no, it's dead. Uh, you have no cucumbers. Something's got to change, right? Mm-hmm. If there's no cucumbers, <laughs> then it's dead, right? Chances are. So that, that's my brilliant really analogy that I came up with last night as I was falling asleep because I really love cucumbers. I noticed. Anyways. Yeah, no, like that's, and that's something that really challenges me. Mm. Like, I don't know. I'm someone who definitely. I wouldn't say I ever thought I was saved by my works. I think part of just, like, me growing up the way I did and, mm. like, my testimony, I knew my works would not save me. My works could not save me. There's nothing. There's no coming back from that. However, I think now as a Christian for a few years, I definitely do struggle with... Um, I don't want to say pride necessarily, but assuming... I mean, probably. Well, yeah. Actually, yeah. Because don't we all? (laughs) But, like, just, like, I don't want to... I don't want to just leave it to God anymore. He did the hard work. Now I want to do more. I want to stand on my own two feet. I can do it now. exactly. And so this going through James was just, like, such a good reminder for that. And, like, there, there is something good to be said about when you're maturing in your walk, mm-hmm. that there's some things that you want to do, not on your own, that's the wrong words, but, like, mm-hmm. I think there is more expected of you the longer mm-hmm. you walk, right? Like, okay, 
prime example, Israel, leaving Egypt. When the Red Sea parted, they're all standing there like, uh, we're not going in that. But right behind them was the Egyptian army. They really had no choice. I mean, but God, a credit, like said, they, it was mm -hmm. an act of faith, right? Mm -hmm. like, and they went through the Red Sea and that was great. But the, And they had a lot of incentive, though, to go through the Red yeah. Sea. Then when it came time to enter Canaan, there was there was no Egyptian army behind them. They had to actually take a leap of faith kind of thing. They had to actually step out in faith and prove that they were going to follow God. And they said, no. They're like, no, we're, we're, we're going back to Egypt where there's leeks and onions and like not giants. You know? And then they wandered in the... And because of that, they wandered in the desert for 40 years. But that was... They were expected to do a little more mm -hmm. after they had received these things, right? Yeah. Like, they had seen all this stuff, now it was time to act out in faith. So, that's my example of that. And, and mm -hmm. the same thing happens with us, right? God has shown us Im immeasurable mercy and grace, and he has shown us his works and his wondrous works that we can marvel at all the day long. And because of that, he does expect us to take bigger leaps of faith, right? And and trust him more and more. It's because he's proven himself to us. He's proven himself faithful. We should trust that. Yeah. The more he shows us, the more we should trust it, right? Yet we don't, but that's the that's what we do. And that's how often do we do that, right? Even even after minutes after he's shown us miracles, things that just should never have happened, that he orchestrated. It's like, oh, but are you really for this? Like, are you really in this, God? Like, can I really trust you? And thankfully, he is gracious, and his mm -hmm. and his grace is immeasurable. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it's like, oh, right, right. Of course, of course, the Lord can do this. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, it's interesting. <laughs> uh, we're talking about legalism. I, I. I was once accused of being a legalist, and that was a uh, Pam. Pam laughs because <laughs> I'm really not legalistic, but I was accused of being a legalist uh, because I actually quoted this verse from James one twenty seven, where it says uh, that religion is, that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Uh, I said this in response to someone that said religion was evil. I say, well, no, um, actually it's not. Uh, there can be false religion, and that's evil, but religion is the act of doing things in when you have a relationship with God. It's very broad. It's like that's your, your religion is acting out of your worship. And that's caring for orphans and widows in their affliction and going to the lost and acting on the Great Commission, right? Kind of bold. And because I said that, I was accused of being legalistic. Uh -huh. Because it's I quoted James. So, why is that wrong, Pam? Well, because, um... Oh, so many. <laughs> that just... Do you think I'm legalistic? No! <laughs> I don't! And I don't... I'm... But I said we should actually do things with yeah, our relationship just... with God. We can't just have this floaty, airy nothing. Just, ah, oh, yes, I love Jesus. And that's it. No, and, like, when you think of legalism, your works save you. If I was going to choose anything to be legalistic about, I'd say, you know, taking communion, getting yeah, baptized, baptized, making sure you're at church on Sunday, oh, ho, ho, making sure one. that you're, like, I don't know, tithing a certain amount. Like, that's, and 
all those things are going to be what pleases God. Taking care of people. Like Jesus did. <laughs> but that's what religion is, Pam. But why does, like, religion has this huge stigma. Yeah. Because no, the church was legalistic is. for so long. Christianity it's a religion. It's a religion. Go figure. But you know what? Um, a lot of people can look at like what the church has done in yeah. church history, and they see the legalism. Yeah. This is why we had Reformation. You know, Reformation was October 31st. Not Halloween. What's Halloween? We have Reformation Day, where we celebrate Martin Luther, um, who was fighting really against, against yeah. the legalism of the Catholic Church, and they were saying that you could buy your salvation mm-hmm. through various means. There's a lot of... A lot of things that he was saying, but he's like, mm-hmm. he's like, no, that's not scriptural. That's not what the Bible yeah. says. And so, like, when people look at, take this passage in James, like, um, it's funny, because this per- these verses come right after the passage mm-hmm. I teach. Mm-hmm. And the context of that is much more about how you should hear the word, and then that hearing should result in a desire in your heart to go do. It's mm. not something that just, okay, I have to do this. You should hear the gospel, and then you should be compelled to act. Like when someone yells that there's a fire, I am compelled to run away. That's that's the mindset here. It's not okay, well, I heard this, I should probably go do that. Like, no, you hear it and you're like, wow, this changes everything, including my actions. Hmm. It changes who you are. Mm -hmm. You're no longer someone who's dead in sin, someone who is incapable of caring for other people Mm. like christ does you're now someone who has been transformed by the power of the holy spirit and that should cause action Mm. so yeah like and that verse specifically just boggles my mind that someone would call that legalist because that's literally what christ did he Mm. would go and he would care for the orphans and widows and the prostitutes and the tax collectors demon possessed the, the demon, gentiles yeah. all these so, the samaritans oh my word and they were so hated it's the first time he said who he was and was to samaritans like, boggles my mind if we're supposed to be conformed into the image and likeness of Ooh. christ mm-hmm. why do we think that that's just putting on a mask mm-hmm. And really, like, okay, we, we often lose the definition of faith. You know, obviously, I'm going to hearken to Hebrews because obviously. why wouldn't I? Um, we'll probably talk about Hebrews in the next couple of weeks here because we wanted to talk a little more Bible stuff because we get really excited about the Bible. Um, mm-hmm. Hebrews defines faith as this. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. How else are you supposed to prove that you have faith? Conviction's a strong word. And assurance is a strong word. Both of those, it's a very strong statement, is... It's the conviction of things hoped for. Like, oh, conviction of things not seen. That you truly believe in an unseen God. In a God that you can't see, but you can see what he does. Right? Faith isn't something you can see, but you can see what it does. Mm -hmm. I think it's a way we can reflect image of God 
and that how we can reflect the way he has loved us in his character and nature is by in faith trusting who he is who he is and living it out how else is someone supposed to prove that they have faith if if someone just told me they have faith like like how would i know you you don't there's got to be some form of action our faith changes mm. us it's not mundane it's not dull it's not just a badge on a bag that you carry around it's something that literally changes your being there should be evidence mm. of that the assurance of things hoped for what is what are the things hoped for heaven <laughs> sanctification the, which is like the literal process of becoming more like Christ. That we could actually be, be like, declared righteous we be by declared the righteous. creator of the universe, whom we have over and over again not worshipped, not loved, not adored, even throughout our Christian walk. Mm -hmm. We put up idols because we're worshipful beings. But worship misplaced is idolatry. Yeah, And, like, and the hoped for thing is that we might actually have some salvation. And just something, just something to assure us that we can maybe just see God and not have him pour out his wrath on us, right? Is that what's hoped for? There's so much more you could say is hoped for. And the like, whole gospel is, is something that is so mind-boggling. No other religion, no other religion promises things like this or has a God who loves us this much. They have either a God who is far too earthly that he cannot save or a God that is far too removed from creation and from the, the mire of this world that he would never stoop down to save us. And our God did both without losing any of his attributes of holiness and amazingness. <sighs> ah, it's that's what's hoped for. <laughs> it's very interesting to me that he declares us righteous. Because know what the funny thing about righteousness is? Is it... You act righteously. <laughs> there's a there's a there's an action there's that a, follows. Righteous is like it's a, it's a characteristic mm. that generally is paired with action. When someone is a righteous person, you think of someone who lives in a way mm. that is honorable, that is pleasing, that is just and we just assume, okay, we're declared righteous. Mm -hmm. Cool. And but. because faith, there's faith, and faith is an action, but faith is also a thing you have. Yeah. Faith is an interesting word, but like James 2 says, Abraham believed, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Right? Hearkening back to Abraham, who twice lied in Egypt so that he wouldn't get in trouble and or wouldn't be... I don't know. Very, I don't, who knows what was going through head. Really, it was just like, he was trying to save himself. He's being legalistic. But yet he, it says Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. Just his believing. He did believe God. And, and, and we see how his faith grew as he mm -hmm. matured, as he got older, as he grew in knowledge of the Lord. We definitely see he trusted God a lot more the longer he lived and the longer he walked. And it is shown, is it is evidenced to us by his story, by his testimony, by his works. Go figure. 
Yeah. It's almost like that's what James is talking about. Almost. <laughs> almost like that's his whole point. Yeah. So, like, yeah, the idea of faith without works is dead is not talking about how, you know, there's supposed to be works that save. Mm. But they should know you're a Christian by your works. Mm -hmm. And and you know what? We, we, when we really get legalistic is when we think these are the works that I have to do. But you know what? I think if you're, if you're pursuing God, like, mm -hmm. and you're running after him and you're in his word, and you're praying to him and you are crying out, Lord, I need you. You really just want to do things that honor him. Like, yeah. people can tell Pam and I are friends. They don't have to listen to us talk at all, mm -hmm. which you guys are all listening to us talk and I don't know why. But yeah, you could watch and you could see, oh, Aaron brought Pam coffee. Pam went up and gave Aaron a hug or these various things. And you could watch and be like, oh, they must be friends. They must really want to. Must be. To serve each other. Either that or we're just really weird. We're really weird. Yeah, I don't know. You might Either be way, we're really weird. I, I might have. You might have. You never know. Maybe caffeine is actually a poison. We're just slowly. Maybe we could be living to like 150. I write a theory about that. <laughs> I chose to promptly ignore it and go to the one that said coffee actually cured cancer. Fantastic. So, <laughs> That's the one is the I one prefer. probably more realistic than the other? I'm stepping probably. in faith. That coffee won't kill me. I don't know. The Lord gave us the coffee bean. I believe that is one of his gifts to man through creation, is that he gave us a bean that See, the thing life. is, I've also heard people say that about pots, so maybe elaborate a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared too now. <laughs> We're going to move on. <laughs> I love oh, my liberal Christian friends. Oh, my goodness. Oh, well. You know, it's an interesting one that James talks about is Rahab. Mm -hmm. Why do you think he brought up Rahab? The passage, uh, I guess I should read it. And in the same way, this is after he's talking about Abraham. Um, and he, Abraham was called friend by God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? Here's something you ought to remember about the scriptures is when they, when in the New Testament, a New Testament author harkens back to the Old Testament and mentions someone, you should probably go and read their story. Also, the fact that the amount of times Rahab and people like that are mentioned, yeah. Rahab's mentioned at least twice in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. She's mentioned in the genealogy too, isn't she? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so a few times she's mentioned in the New Testament means she's kind of important. A little bit. And also means that the Bible is not sexist. <laughs> hey. No other book of the day would have mentioned women, no. <laughs> particularly a woman like Rahab. So... Pam, why do you think Rahab's mentioned? Why why to hearken to Rahab of all people? You just talked about Abraham and in the same breath talked about Rahab the prostitute and Gentile. Um, so I think it's interesting because like you said, every well, everybody kinda craps on Rahab and is like, oh, she lied. So did Abraham. Yeah. Twice. <laughs> <laughs> so did Peter. So did Peter. So <laughs> So did a lot of people. Oddly enough, are exonerated in scripture. People who have faith still sin. That's this lovely huh. aspect of sanctification and grace. And grace yeah. is that huh. we sin and we seek repentance and we seek, you know, yeah, to rep repent from that sin. It's a little bit ironic, isn't it? Like, a little bit. So it, yeah, <laughs> like it just amuses me every time people like kind of just 
oh, Rahab's in this and she doesn't deserve it, but Abraham, Abraham does. No, no, neither of them deserved it. That's the fun thing about all of this is that none of us deserve salvation. None of us. In the so we can stop there. Um, but, <laughs> All right, podcast is over. That's yeah. <laughs> but like Rahab, her faith was that she she knew that the God of Israel was going to destroy Cain. Mm. She knew that, mm-hmm. and she knew that her actions were not going to change that. Mm. How did she oh, know that? She said we heard of what your yeah, God. Yeah, she certainly heard because. Of the works of God. Yeah. She had heard what he had done in Egypt. That's it. And he and she feared the Lord. Mm-hmm. And it was counted to her. Yeah. As righteousness as well. And so when she saved the spies, she knew that she was helping helping them as they were carrying out God's will. Mm. She knew like it would be better for her to submit to God, even though it meant the destruction of her people, than to act without faith. Mm. And she had faith that when she did so, that God would save. She had no grounds for that faith. Mm. She had, like, she watched the Egyptians who opposed God get destroyed, and she knew she was no different. She only heard about it. She had only heard about it, and she knew that she was she was hooped. And yet she reached out and asked God to save her. Mm. And her family. Mm-hmm. And then she acted according to that faith. They told her that God would save her and her family mm-hmm. if she stayed in her home and her house was marked with a cord. And scarlet cord. With a scarlet cord. Which I think is interesting, yeah. but that's a whole other topic. I, I have a whole so, lot of notes on a, a Probably a paper or something. I'll write someday yeah. about scarlet cords mentioned throughout scripture. Oh, yeah. Anyways. But, yeah, it's, um, she, her faith caused her to act when she was commanded to. Hmm. Yeah, she lied. But she also trusted the words of Joseph, er, of Joseph, Joshua and Caleb when they said that if she did this, God would bless her for it. Mm. Mm-hmm. And really, like, it really is like, ugh, what, how to word this? Knowing that there is more to this earth mm. is a huge part of faith. Like I asked earlier, what's what are the things hoped for mentioned in Hebrews? And later, in that same chapter, author of Hebrews says, their desire was for a better country. They knew that they were strangers and exiles on this planet. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love that so much. Strangers and exiles. When we know we're strangers and exiles, it means that in faith we believe that when we die, we won't just be put in the ground. And that's it. We know. We we have faith in this assurance. This We hope for a heavenly home. And when we can think about, oh right, heavenly home where God dwells, where mm-hmm. I could I could dwell with God. And where Jesus, my mediator and my mm-hmm. the perfect founder and perfecter of my faith, could welcome me mm-hmm. and and say, you're, you're one of us. We are, arrive as immigrants and he calls us citizens. Yeah. And welcomes us home. That's what's hoped for. Mm-hmm. Boiled way down, I guess. And Rahab knew that mm-hmm. in some sense. 
she her desire was for a better country and so she acted in faith oh man i love this subject so much like i know we're not talking a lot about legalism itself we're talking about how to not be legalistic uh it's really just living out your faith like, yeah. do you actually believe this and that's the point of james he's not saying that you need works to be saved he's saying if you're saved, act like it. Like, when James yeah. is talking to the his audience are Messianic Jews. Mm. They're people who just came out of a rather re- legalistic religion <laughs> and are saying that they still need to be legalistic. And James, or, and no, saying that they're free from that because they were Jews who had to follow the law, mm-hmm. but now they're Christians. So now we can so do whatever we, we can want. Do whatever we, want. we can and he's... have unrestrained hedonism and we can still yeah. uh, expect, expect salvation. That's not the case. Whereas with Paul, Paul was writing to Galatians who were living unrighteously and mm-hmm. became Christians. And then the Judaizers said, okay, in order to be righteous, you have to have all these works. So understanding the context of the two books... Mm-hmm really helps us unpack it in that James is not saying you need to do all these things in order to be saved. He's saying how you use money, how you treat the poor, how you respond to the word of God is going to mm-hmm. be what tells of your faith. Mm-hmm. And James talks about later in like chapter four, he says um, that friendship with the world is enmity with God. But in the passage you preached on, Abraham was declared, what, a friend of God, right? So I didn't preach on that one. Oh, you didn't preach on that one? No, I preached on James 1, 19 to 25. Oh, that's chapter 2. Sorry, my yeah. bad. Um, so, okay, where, like, who are you really wanting to be friends with, right, is what James is saying. He's saying, well, are, mm-hmm. you, are you trying to be friends with the world because now you've been released from this legalist legalism? Well, you're still trying to be friends with God. You just aren't saved by your own works. Just, but your works will be... A follow-up, there'll be the the proof of that you really want to be a friend of God. And he, he in chapter 3, he says, but the wisdom, is, this is all the wisdom in the acts of faith, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Mm-hmm. And then later, like a few verses later, he says, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? He's looking for these these fruits of your faith. If there's no cucumbers, did you really plant cucumbers? Like, did you actually, did you kill the seed while it was still in the jar of dirt? I'm going to stick with that analogy from now on, by the way. I like cucumbers. Are they fruit or are they a vegetable? They have seeds. I don't care they're a vegetable. I don't put cucumbers in my pie. In What? In your pie? Is fruit defined by something you put in pie? Yeah. Would you make a pomegranate pie? Yeah. No, you wouldn't. The little seeds would be really weird. Anyways. Let's just drain it. Make it like a... Oh, wow. We really... Man, we can jump from subjects really quickly. I'm sorry if you guys just got whiplash from that. Um. A chocolate (laughs) pomegranate pie. That's all I have to say. Anyway. (laughs) Okay. For, For the people... I guess the... Ones who don't want works to be an evidence of salvation. That very wishy-washy kind of, in the wishy-washy way of like, well, I'll just love Jesus. And that's, and that's my faith. That's all that's, all that God requires of me is that I just love Jesus. And that was the kind of person who told me I was legalistic for saying, oh, no, but you got to have some works to back it up, my dear. Um, Really, 
when we're in rebellion against God, it makes us great against the idea of doing good works. That doesn't it doesn't sound nice when something's expected of us when we are in rebellion against God. So I caution if you if you've said that before, you know what? There's grace. Um, we're not judging you. We're just saying go and read the book of James in its original context and actually like read it all the way through with a desire to know what God is saying to you. And if if you're actively pursuing God, the idea of doing things to please him doesn't need to be legalistic, right? It, that's just, you want to do it because you love him. You know, if you love people, you want to do stuff to please them and to build the friendship. I want to make you coffee, Pam, because I love you and you're my friend. Mm -hmm. And I enjoy our friendship, and so I will do things to serve you because I love you. Not because I think if I if I don't make Pam coffee, she'll never speak to me again. Oh no, we won't be friends anymore. Pam, if we don't do the podcast, you'll probably hate me. I probably would. Oh well. Good thing Pam's not my Lord and Savior. Yep. Good thing I don't put my identity in my relationship with Pam. It's probably for the best. She's a fallible human. I am. Because she'll disappoint me. And I'll disappoint her. Nonsense. <laughs> I've never made a mistake a day in my life. Oh, fantastic. That'll make us real approachable. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, what does this look like practically, Pam? As she's yawning, that's yeah. when I ask her questions. No, obviously. Um, oddly enough, I think that this is just talking about willful submission mm. and that we, we choose to obey because we want to. We choose to act because we want to and that's what we're called to do and we realize that and say okay mm. this is what is expected of me this is how I will act and I will do so mm. and it's done with an attitude of like the great commandment basically James is great commission paired with the great commandment if you love God with all your heart soul mind and strength and if you mm. love people as yourself you are going to go into the world baptizing people preaching the word Teaching people to obey. Hmm. That is the book of James. Hmm. If you love God, love people, you're going to tell the gospel and you're going to disciple in order to bring people to God. Because that's, a, that's the true, truest form of love you can show. Hmm. If you believe that people are condemned to eternal torment and punishment in hell, why are you sitting on your butt not loving people by showing them that they don't have to die that mm. way. There's hope. Mm -hmm. And on the flip side of that coin, mm -hmm. if you're feeling condemned because you you make mistakes and you think there's no way God yep. can love me because I messed up, that's that's my tendency. I, I have to I have to remind myself against that a lot of the time. Rahab and Abraham. Rahab and Abraham, right? Um like it's interesting. In chapter 5, James talks a bit about judgment. And he says, but remember, or like, you have heard of the steadfastness of Job and you've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Read your Bible, guys. Like, read the scriptures and see how over and over God, go, God goes after and comes to people who are not deserving at all. We're reading, we're going through Minor Prophets right now in class. And I love the Minor Prophets so much. It's right at like and kind of the cry. A lot of the times, it's at the peak of Israel's rebellion, like when they are just so they're worse than the pagans around them. That's how bad they are, 
and yet God is sending them prophets. Mm -hmm. God is giving them the word and he is coming after them. Just that's the God we serve. He's so gracious and merciful. So remind yourself of that daily yeah. that when you make mistakes, first off, like the Lord knows you better than you know yourself. He knows you make mistakes. He knows you. He knows that you are in sinful flesh and that your sanctification is ongoing. And he has mm -hmm. such a perfect and beautiful plan for your sanctification and coming in humility and, and saying, right, this, the Lord is the one who saves. Cause really the, the idea of, uh, God can't save me is very prideful, <laughs> very it prideful. Is. How small is your God? Mm -hmm. He's, he's so much bigger than we can ever mm -hmm. imagine. And like I said, this is my constant and daily struggle because we, we live on this earth and we don't see, see God face to face. But we see all the evidence of him. So when you're looking at the sky and the stars and you look at the sun and the moon, you look at the trees and the grass and the fields and all the, these, the, the fruit that the earth brings forth, just remember that you worship a God who loves you. Yeah. And he cares. He does. And he is not against you. He's for you. Right? And though we make him sad and we may break his heart, when we come to him, in submission we say lord i need you lord i'm sorry lord i i you are the only one who saves me i believe that brings him so much joy i i believe it it is a wonderful thing and that there's rejoicing in heaven in addition to this don't take our word for it go, go read, read the book of james yeah go read i've go been read flipping it. through james we've kind of given you a brief overview of a lot of the books just a little little highlights and cliff notes but there's so much more <laughs> there yeah Thing. so much encouragement to be had it's not gonna it's not a book that condemns really mm -hmm. just because it asks you to do things doesn't mean it's condemning you or judging yeah. you <laughs> i love it anyway i do too yeah don't be legalistic be gracious with one another too that's a big thing as the lord has shown you grace go and be uh, gracious and merciful to those around you who may be struggling and their process of on ongoing sanctification is different than yours just be be understanding be within the body that's a big thing. That's like a whole nother podcast right there is how this relates to one another. Maybe that's part two. Yeah. Next week? Fantastic. We'll talk to you guys next week about the body, I guess. So. Be blessed in the most chaotic way possible. And enjoy your coffee.